Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say, so, yeah, we like to get started. I talk to you, and you talk to me. Who are you talking to at this hour? Mr. Godley, you better start talking. Let's start the talking. I could talk all night. My mind is J-talking. Midnight, conversing until the light. All we need is information. Now we got ourselves communication. Bradley J. Jay Talking, WBZ. WBZ, you are Jay Talking. We're live midnight to five. The walking is horrible right now. Well, the good news walking-wise is we have Brendan Carney here, communications director with Walk Boston. I'm a big walker, looked into finding some walking experts, and here you are. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having so me. So Walk Boston, tell me about it. So Walk Boston is a nonprofit pedestrian advocacy organization. We've been working for over just about 30 years here in Massachusetts to make Massachusetts more walkable. I am a walker, and I'm fighting the cars and fighting the bikes. And I was hoping there would be some organization like you. Turns out there is, and here you are. And what is it that you concentrate on? So we concentrate on a bunch of different things, but our our main focus areas are pedestrian safety, you know, reduce the number of walkers hit or killed across the state, walkable communities, age-friendly walking, transit connections, rural walking, and walking policy and design. We'll get into each one of those. How many accidents and fatalities are there with pedestrians? You can either do the state or the greater Boston area, whichever numbers you might have. Sure. I I just want to take a step back, though. Um, Crashes, we refer to them as crashes, not accidents. Right. Because... They might not be accidents. Yes. We, we think that crashes can be prevented. This is, you know, streets are dangerous by design, and we can shape the streets. It's, it's not an accident. We can't just shrug our shoulders and be like, oh, that, it just happens. Yeah. Um, Excellent semantic point. It, it is a semantic point. But no, it, I'm, not make, all, I'm not putting no, it down. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Some, semantics are important. Exactly. So I, I appreciate that. Um, Across the state, there are about 350 people hit and killed or die in cars every single year, and about 80 of them are pedestrians. Mostly in Boston, I'm guessing, or not necessarily so? Not necessarily so. It's what kinda, are some trouble areas? Uh, well, I mean, the, probably the top, top areas would be Boston, Springfield, Lowell, Brockton, it's, it's kind of the, the big urban centers, but there are fatalities that happen all across the state. So you develop plans to improve walking conditions. How do you decide what improvements need to be made? We make recommendations best, based on best practices that have been shown to 
make improvements and make it safer and more comfortable for people to be out walking and get people out walking. Um, you know, that can be everything from road diets, which means you, you basically put a road on a plan to reduce its width and make it safer to cross. It can also be, you know, putting crosswalks where people want to cross. It, it seem, sounds very simple. Right. It may seem counterintuitive, but for me, crossing at a, an intersection is danger, more dangerous. I prefer not to. I love when there's a crosswalk, not in an intersection. And we, we talked about this earlier. I do not like having people turning as I'm walking, even though the walk sign is on. There's people turning left behind me and right, right into me. Uh, why is that allowed? And, and in what cases? Sure. Well, well, one of the other things we do is we also push to have reduce illegal speeding, make people drive slower to make it safer for everyone to to get around. Um, It's better for drivers to be able to react to things in the road, whether that's, you know, an obstruction or it's a car double parked or it's a person in a crosswalk trying to cross the street. Um, But back to your question about signals. (laughs) I could talk about signals for a while, so I'm Fine. just, just we warning. We have plenty of time. Just warning you right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the thing you were talking about was if a person is crossing the crosswalk and a car is taking a turn, and they both think they have the right of way because the car has the green light and the person has the walk signal. So that's called uh, concurrent signals. So you're having both the walk light and the green light on at the same time. It's a good thing to have in dense urban environments for the most part if there aren't a lot of turning movements. So all stop. Right. Maybe an all stop would be more appropriate if there's a ton of turning traffic at that intersection. And an all stop is called an exclusive pedestrian walk signal or sometimes it's called a barns dance where you can cross any any which way because all the traffic is stopped at the same time. What's the procedure for checking out a if someone thinks there's a, a dangerous intersection that should be all stopped, but instead is concurrent, what do they do? Petition their town or their city? Is that what you do? Yeah, it's usually good to get in touch with the, the transportation department. Some cities or towns use a system called C-Click Fix or like a 311 reporting system where you can actually send in different suggestions and, and questions and stuff like that. It's also the, you know the system that you know you can report uh, lights out or if a crosswalk needs to be repainted or if there's a pothole on your street. Similar similar reporting systems. Now, what is the, the crosswalk law? It's a state law that... It, drivers must yield to pedestrians in a crosswalk. In a crosswalk, not waiting for a crosswalk. Right. You have to have... One foot in the crosswalk. And then they have to stop. Do they even know that? I mean, you walk. Do you feel like drivers know the, the law? Uh, I think the more we can do to remind them, the better. I think they should know. Um, One of the ways that drivers can be reminded is with those in-street yield to pedestrians. Yeah, there's one on on Harvard Ave up in Coolidge Corner. Yep. It says, it is a state law. You must stop. Yield. It probably says yield. It might say stop. They might have bought the stop ones. In other states, states, it is a a stop law. Tell the folks the... Tom Brady, 
the the Tom Brady face equivalent of that. Great. Well, last December, um, we were working with a teacher in Boston Public Schools who in Roxbury uh, by the name of Sam Balto, and he was concerned about a lot of kids walk and bike to his school that he was working at, and he was concerned that one of the crosswalk signs near his school kept getting hit by by drivers. So, you know, we were talking about, you know, what what can we do to call attention to get this fixed better? And uh, we were going back and forth on Twitter, and uh, another person, Jonathan Fertig, uh, mentioned that a hashtag of put a Brady on it. Because I said, why don't we stick Tom Brady's head on top of the sign? Put a Brady on put it. Put a Brady on it. So it became a hashtag, put a Brady on it. You know what, that's... that's that's from Portlandia. That's a takeoff of something on Portlandia, isn't it? it? It's very it's close a, to that. What, isn't it? What, what was the one in Portlandia? Put a, a flower, put a bird on it. Do you remember that? I, I don't. They're these these two people run a shop, and they just this they just, their answer to everything was put a bird on it. <laughs> I bet you that's where he put a Brady. He, he on may it. have came up with it from that, but so we we did it. Um, Tom, you know, he printed out a picture of Tom Brady's face mounted it to a piece of foam board and we i met him you know well before the school day started and he mounted it to the top of a a in-street pedestrian sign uh Ear from the globe called me and wanted to talk about it and you know it it kind of blew up from there the photos Photos took off online, and it got covered kind of as a national story. So did it work, and did you have scientific research? Probably not, just kind of anecdotal research. A- anecdotally, we were standing there for the, the morning commute, and people thought it was hilarious. They're probably they were, they slowing were like, down to, they were to slowing down. trying to figure out like, what's that, going on. That's, why, that's why my man that, there. That's my man Tom why Brady. Why is his face on there? What, are they, what is this going to Is it going to be a, a rally with Tom Brady that I'm missing out on? They're trying to read it, right? It was... I, it was interesting. You um, could do uh, a study anecdotally, I suppose, with different photos and see which ones worked. I I maintain that anything interesting would work, like a gorilla head. You're, or, you're probably right. Or something like <laughs> but that. but the best thing that came of it was that the city of Boston was receptive to the changes there, and they actually made changes to Walnut Ave. So as of this past December, they've improved temporarily with flex posts and they made a little bit of an island so it, it's a safer crosswalk now what if tom brady actually came out and stood there with a stop sign one day i mean i think he's a little busy right now you know so what though may, maybe he can join in a couple you know, of weeks maybe he can join one of the boston public schools for boston public schools walk to school that's night. the kind of thing though that he might do he'd get all kinds of good press for that look it's tom brady holding a stop sign at so-and-so street it's not a terrible idea and i'm sure the kids would love it you're Jay talking, and we're we're talking walking. I promise not to keep saying that over and over. Let's go to uh, the bills. A couple of bills that are pending, maybe that affect pedestrians in the Boston, Massachusetts area. Can yeah. you talk about those two? Sure. So there's actually a, a day of action for road safety this Wednesday, the 23rd, at the State House, uh, starting at 10 a.m. Room 437. And one of the bills is a hands-free bill. Uh, right now, Massachusetts does not have a distracted driving hands-free bill. There's a no texting ban from 
a number of years ago. Um, so that's, there is a no texting there ban. Is a no, <laughs> there is a no texting bill. Bill. So you're not that's, allowed to text. That's, that passed. Yes. Became law. Yes. Back in like tw- people, 2011. People ignore it. No one seems interested in enforcing it. Correct. Well, it wasn't a no Facebook bill. It wasn't a no FaceTiming bill. It wasn't a no oh, check yeah. your Gmail, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it needs to be rephrased. Yeah. And it also just needs to give police a little more teeth to be able to actually enforce it. It doesn't seem like there's really a lot of will to inf- to pass that. People just don't really seem to care. They, they'll say it's dangerous. They don't want their child being run over by somebody. But most people want to go ahead and do it. Is that your sense? It's a little bit of that sense, but I think more and more there's more of an appetite for it up at the Statehouse to make this a reality because they know that it will make people safer. How how many people out there, and by the way, please give us a shout, 617-254-1030. How many among you actually, when somebody, when you get a text, you feel a little in your pocket, actually say, oh no, I'll, I can get that when I get home. I'm not going to get it now. I would say 95% of people yank it out of their pocket and look at it, right? I'm one of the few that don't because I'm a, I am a law-abiding dude, like to a fault, I guess. I'm the only one. Folks, do you really... Put it off till you get there. No, I'm. I'm guessing that you will go ahead and text it. What is it? What are your yeah. guesses so, on the numbers? Well, so I mean, we have the technology. You know, the technology is out there to not allow this to happen. Um, it's not on by default on your iOS device, but you know, they have a driving. You know, do not disturb function. Most people don't opt into it. Right. Wait, a driving do not disturb or just a do not disturb? Like a, a do not disturb. Right. A, that will say, like, you can have a text back, like, I'm driving. I will get back to you later. Yeah, nobody does that. No, my mother does. Thank you, Mom. Isn't there a way that you can, I would think there would be a way, technologically speaking, that you could, that's a a technology could know when you are simultaneously driving and texting or on your phone there's got to be a way and i people say well you could be the passenger but still there's got to be a way around that if your hands making contact with the wheel and your and your text you must have some ideas so you'll love this city of boston did a campaign last year called boston safest driver and they partnered with a local company cambridge telematics who has a a safe driving app and so it was rebranded the this version of it was Boston's safest driver. They can tell if you pick up your phone and are moving it around. How so, can they tell if you're the driver or the passenger, though? Uh, I don't know if they can, can they? tell that. Because that's the beef. Yeah. But it's like running in the background of your phone, and it gives you a score. It's They're trying to gamify the... Being good. Being good. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been used in other markets for being able to give insurance discounts for good driving behavior. But it, it identifies the, you know, the hard braking, uh, touching your phone, and speeding. Like those are you know, three of the major issues that lead to crashes. So they then give you a report at the end of your trip. You can see you know, those yeah. different things, and then they grade you on them. And people 
improved over the life of the, the game. There has to be a way that automakers, if they wanted to or were commanded to by the law, could somehow install stuff in the car so your phone knew if you were the passenger or the driver. Maybe they could have some chip embedded in the driver's seat that phone knew you were close to. I don't know, but I bet they could figure it out. But this is all going to go away when we get completely automatic self-driving vehicles, right? All, all that problem will go away because you'll be able to t- talk on your phone. You'll be able to read. You'll be able to have a martini while you're going home, right? I, there was a great graphic going around on social media that showed the road space used by 60 pedestrians, the road space used by 60 people taking a bus, the road space used by 60 people driving cars, and the road space used by 60 people in self-driving cars. How did the self-driving car space stack up? It looked exactly the same as the 60 people driving cars. <laughs> did it, though? Because it's my understanding, but you study this, that they can get really close together because they can. Not true? That That is the, the pipe dream. Oh, I'd say. okay. Yeah. Uh, more and more is coming out and uh, a lot of these, you know, pie in the sky, autonomous vehicle are going to save us and they're going to be the best thing ever. Oh. They're kind of uh, trying to reframe and readjust expectations. A lot of them are now talking about, you know, this is much further off. Uh, this is a difficult thing to deal uh, with. But, bummer. you know, there are still benefits that could be had in, you know, in more controlled environments. Because the good thing is City of Boston is having them test in the seaport. So they're, you know, learning in closer to real life situations. Like one of the early things that they learned is that the initial software that they had designed couldn't recognize a seagull, didn't know what a white bird was because they'd always defined a bird as, you know, oh, it will be gray or it will be red or it will be blue. Like these white birds very, very interesting. We didn't know about it. They didn't these. even know it was a bird, so, probably. Yeah, but once again, you know, then you have the machine learning and understanding it's that. So, so if they are kind of behind technologically, I'm guessing they would be behind on recognizing if there's a pedestrian in the crosswalk. Well, yeah, possibly. Um, one, of, one of the interesting rain things- would throw them off. Well, one of the- That's possible, too. Um, I don't- I think they're allowed to test in rain now. I don't know if they've tested in snow. Um, one of the interesting things is- you know, they have to be continuously analyzing the situation, making decisions, um, so they can do it at slower speeds. And then the thing you were talking about where they can get really close together, yeah, that would be at more higher speeds where they're like, you know. Right. The picture, the picture the, that was painted. The real, the real rub is that in-between, and the in-between is what so many of our roads are. You know, they're not in the uh, right. slow downtown urban environments. Yeah, exactly. I had such a rosy picture painted for me by another transportation think tank person that was going to solve everything, that Route 128 was going to be everyone traveling traveling at the perfect speed, one inch, separated by one inch, and uh, many more cars that fit on the road, and there would be no drunk driving. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No No texting and driving. No stupid driving. No wrong way crashes. No police chases. If if you could get the things to work, life would be great. Yeah. I mean, about 10,000 people die every year across the U.S. from drunk driving crashes. About 10,000 people die every year from illegal speeding. So, yeah. All the all those, they're, they're heading in the right direction with those goals. Let's I'd talk say. to Carl in Malden. Not Carl Malden, but Carl in Malden. Hello, Carl. Good evening. Hey. Hey, how are you? Hey, good. I just wanted to chime in. Um, I use, I'm, I don't know, if, this is kind of advertising. I don't mean to, but I use AT&T. And there's an app on my phone. If I turn it on, it uses a GPS, and it determines where I am and how fast I'm going. And if, in my, if I'm in my car, it basically temporarily shuts the phone down. As soon as I basically come to a dead stop, if I get any alert, text messages, phone calls, or anything, it chimes it all in. It doesn't tell the person that I'm driving, but it doesn't allow me to get any notifications until I pull over. So you have to voluntarily turn that thing on. I'm sorry. Do you have to? Do you have to turn that option on? Correct. When I when yes, when I turned on the phone, it was one of the features. It asked me, "Do I?" I, I don't remember the name of the app off the top of my head without looking at the phone. Um, it, I think it's called Driving Safety. You turn it on, and literally, I didn't know how it worked. I turned it on. I drove, and when I when my first time I used, it, I got to work. My phone went crazy. I look down and I get a message saying, well, you were driving, all of this happened. And it, I get no messages, no vibrate, no nothing while I'm, dri- while I'm driving. I literally turn the phone off so I'm not distracting want to reach for that, as you said, for that vibrate or that tone that you hear. Yeah, that dopamine rush, right? Yeah, whoa. There might be a check for a million bucks in one of those texts. That, that's great, Carl, and thank you for actually using that See? option. So there are apps out there. I'm sure it's something that I'm not an iOS user. I'm an Android user. Um, I know I'm sure it's an iOS as well. If we look, if you look, if people want to really do it, they can look on the store. And I'm sure they can find something that'll be either quite the same or quite similar. That, as I said, it uses GPS to figure out where you're going and how fast. And if you hit a certain speed, it automatically assumes you're driving, and it basically just shuts on the phone until you're done. Carl, that's a great, great call. Thank you, sir. No problem. Take care. Carl and Walden. Uh, you know, folks, I'm always pitching walking. A little cold now, but walking's good for you. And uh, we're, try- we're trying to make it safer, especially our guest, Brendan Carney, Communications Director of Walk Boston. What a cool job. You love your job. You're a history major. How'd you get this gig? I got this gig because I was actually really concerned with one of my friends, John Puzz. He runs with the Cambridge Running Club, and I run with the Somerville Roadrunners, and we were both concerned about access along the Charles River for runners and walkers and cyclists. Um, So we actually were doing a volunteer campaign with the Charles River Conservancy and a bunch of other different groups, including Walk Boston. That was the first I had heard of Walk Boston. We were pushing for underpasses along all the bridges along the Charles River. Nice. Yeah. Big could make a big improvement for access along the Charles River. Um, and that was the first I'd heard of Walk Boston, and then I saw the job pop up, so I applied for the job. How'd you see it pop up? Uh, Where? I saw it on Twitter. Twitter? Yeah. 
just randomly? Or were you following them? I, I had started following Walk Boston when I started volunteering with the Charles River Conservancy. Right place in the right time, even on social media. Yeah, and now I control that Twitter account. So, <laughs> Good for you, and Full you love circle. it. You love, love, love it. I it's, do. It's perfect for you. I do. You have a lot of programs going on, things like um, Neighborhood Slow Streets. Let's get into some of these things. Yeah, that's actually a program of the city of Boston that we support them on. Um, so Neighborhood Slow Streets is the idea of addressing traffic calming on residential streets and looking at streets as a kind of a network instead of just making a change to one street. Because if you make a change to one street, say you put in a raised crosswalk that would you know, make it better for people crossing the street and also slow people driving down. Raised just means kind of a hump. Raise it would mean you'd bring it up to like sidewalk level. Okay. So if you're walking along the sidewalk, you continue walking at sidewalk level across the street, and cars would come up to meet the people. Walking. So they kind of ramp up. Yep. It okay. basically make a, a make speed a up. yeah okay. Yep. Um, so the idea between the neighborhood slow streets is let's look at you know kind of a network of streets together, so we're not just fixing an issue on one street and you know playing whack-a-mole and all of a sudden pushing a bunch of drivers onto this other street where you know there may not have been an issue before so it, it's a pretty great process that how do they you do. do that how do you estimate the impact of one thing on the rest of the area well just, you just kind of guess well they had they do a bunch of traffic counts okay ahead of time to know where people are going to begin with um and they can kind of make estimates based on that. And how about crash monitoring? Well, one thing we do is, you know, you were asking about the number of people that are hit and killed every year in Massachusetts. Um, one thing we also do is we track whenever there are crashes that make the news um, to have kind of a, a more up-to-date number of that crash stat um, because Crash reports uh, from the state and from the federal government are on much more of a delay. It's not an, an immediate report. So we we track these crashes across the state as we see them pop up in the news, pop up on social media. Um, so we are knowing at, kind of ahead of time um, wh where we're headed in the So you the, get the, the quick numbers. Quick, the instant, quick numbers. Kind of instant numbers. Yep. And we actually make that publicly available. And what is a walk audit? So a walk audit is a great tool to get people out on the street looking at problems. So the the basics of that is, one, one example is we would go into a city or town and we would get a bunch of the different departments together. The planning department, the public works, the police department, and also you know usually one or two of the elected officials get them all together in a room. Sometimes they haven't talked to each other necessarily. These, um, a number of years ago, we were working down in Fall River and we were about to do a walk audit and uh, the public works director and the police, per, the person from the police who was there, they'd actually never met before. And the police officer turned to one of my coworkers and said, um, so when we see crosswalks that need to be painted around the city, like, um, can, 
can I just go directly to the public works and tell them to do it? We were like, you don't need to ask us permission. So please I know that please he do knows, that. He knows the person's so, name. You can call that person Yeah, exactly. Up. So it, it's kind of making connections and then also getting out on the street and experiencing the problems and being able to come up with solutions right there and make recommendations. So you kind of have like a legal pad walking along and say, oh, look at that. This, uh, this, this signal is a little weird for this intersection and – that crosswalk paint is yep. worn let, out. Let, let's time the signals here. Um, it, it can also be, you know, we usually give people a, a little PED 101. It's kind of an introductory to um, walking and walkability. And so we get everyone speaking the same language before we go out there. So we talk about, you know, uh, different improvements that could be made, including uh, curb bump outs, which is basically extending the corner or extending the curb to make it so oh. people are a little further out into the street but still protected up on the sidewalk. It also narrows the road a little bit. Uh, the nice thing is if there are parked cars on that street, by creating a curb bump out, you're... No space there. Yep. To, well, to well, block you're, the vision. Exactly. They can see you. You're making the, the visibility better for, for people driving and also people walking. They can see each other. You, you mentioned the walk audit to me before, as, and as, as, that was a result of me telling you my walking idea, which I will share now. A lot, of the, a lot of listeners say, Bradley J., we should have a big party and get to meet each other, the community, because a lot of the listeners know each other. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a one-on-one -on -one guy, and what I've been working on lately is trying to do these, not, it's kind of like dinner with Andre, only walking with, with me, get someone to go on a long walk that I would probably never speak to in person ever. And not only that, we get two people that are really different. Like one's Father Brian. Everybody knows Father Brian, who's a regular caller. And there's another guy who's a college DJ. And they kind of know each other, but I've never been with the two of them. And, and see how this Catholic priest and this really bitter, curmudgeonly college radio DJ <laughs> what they talk about. And I, I, it'd be fun just to walk along and listen. So um, next we have, you have presentations and trainings of various types, correct? Yep. We didn't go over that yet, right? No. Okay, we, good. Well, one of those is PED 101. Um, PED 101. Yep. So it's just an introduction to walking and walkability. And we kind of hit on all the, the, the key points of, you know, what makes a, a good walkable environment. And a lot of the times, if we're talking about wanting to improve, you know, downtowns and cities and stuff like that, it's reducing illegal speeding and, you know, slowing down people driving. Um, and a lot of ways you can do that is, well, first off, by letting cities and towns set the speed limit, which they can't. As opposed to the state? Well, uh, in 2016, the state passed a law that let cities and towns opt into a lower 25 mile per hour speed limit, default speed limit. But the real problem is at the federal level. Um, there's something called the, have you ever heard of the 85th percentile rule? No, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Like that, that's the, the short version. Um, the 85th percentile is how speed limits are set oh, on roads. The speed limit should be whatever the 80, 85% of the people naturally go. Yes. The, it's Which like is way the too fast. Yeah, it's the free-flowing traffic speed of 85% of people that drive on a road. 
that would be like saying, okay, kids, uh, what do you, what do you want to eat for dinner? And four of them were like, uh, we just want to eat candy. And one of them was like, I want to eat kale. It's like, well, 80, 80% of you want to eat candy. So I, we're going to go with candy. I mean, that's what you guys want. Like that, that's basically what it is. So there's a group called, uh, NACTO. It's the National Association of City Transportation. Um, and they want the feds to repeal the 85th percentile and instead let cities and towns set speed limits based on a number of factors instead of just this one factor. They should be able to set it based on if there are a ton of people walking and biking or vulnerable road users, a lot of transit use, schools, uh, you know, all sorts of different non-free-flowing driving factors. Got to sneak that into some sort of omnibus bill, <laughs> some sort of budgetary thing, or maybe even maybe the Green New Deal. Green this, New Deal. This, yeah, this government shutdown thing. Part of the negotiation, just slide that in, because <laughs> nobody's going to let that be the deal breaker. I don't think. <laughs> so this Ped One Hundred and One. Anything else? Safety training for children. Well, have you ever heard of the the origin of the phrase jaywalking? Oh wait. Oh jeez. Oh, I wish I had more time to think about it. Let me just, Blue Jay walking across the street. No, some old English thing. Uh, some guy, some public official named Jay in London that's uh, had a uh, rule. That's my best guess. That's a pretty good guess. Um, it's actually the, the best and worst marketing campaign ever created in the history of man. Okay. It, it uh, you know, in the early 19... 10s, 1920s, uh, people driving were killing tens of thousands of people in the U.S. And people were like, this is ridiculous. And they were like pulling people out of the cars and being like, how are you doing this? In Cincinnati, Ohio, in 1923, they were about to pass a law that no, to like set a governor on all cars so they couldn't drive more than 25 miles per hour. And then AAA and like car makers were basically like, we need to combat this. We need to. So they started blaming everything on the jaywalker. And that was the reason. Like, uh, you know, a, a dumb country, country bumpkin is a jay. Oh, and, I didn't and like know that. These, these people are, you know, wandering into the street and doing this themselves. So, so it's, it's a massive car manufacturing campaign. And it was so successful because the blame has been shifted onto people walking. So. A J is a country bumpkin. It's like a country bumpkin. Yeah. Like an idiot. Congratulations. Get, get this person's out. Get these J's. Get these bumpkins out of the street. <laughs> yep. So instead of telling the motors to slow down, they funneled all the people in these little sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Walking maps. You supply walking maps? You, you. Yeah. We actually have done a bunch of different walking maps uh, over the years that show walking distances in cities and towns across the state. Sweet. And- chunked into you know time segments instead oh. of minutes uh, so it's in minutes instead of miles yep. to really you know show that connection of it's not that far to walk yeah t- you know boston especially more more recently i've been doing lots of walking do you have a favorite couple of routes in the boston urban area uh we have a bunch of them on our website but you personally do do i yeah. uh the one i like the most is uh, walking across the locks of the Charles 
Have you ever done down that way? I have not done that. So it, People tell me I should go fishing there. Okay, you could do that. Sometimes there's like a seal in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you walk down kind of behind the garden um, and uh, you can walk across the locks of the Charles and then you're basically underneath on the Charlestown side, there's a giant park there and you can walk underneath the Zakem Bridge and then there's a sweeping, beautiful pedestrian bridge is called the North Bank Bridge. Um, it's over kind of back behind. It's by the EF building, if you know where that is. Kind of over by Museum of Science. I don't know where that is. It's it's a gorgeous pedestrian bridge, and it like swoops underneath the Zakem Bridge and then over the commuter rail tracks. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really, really nice. I kind of like Copley to Harvard Square by going over the the Mass Ave Bridge and just down Mass Ave because you go by MIT and everything. Mm -hmm. You can go in the Walker Building and walk around. And I like walks that end up in the North End, mm. whether it be starting from Coolidge Corner. Everyone goes, oh, my God, but you know what? It, it doesn't take that long. It takes like an hour and 45 minutes. And if you're with somebody walking and talking, it's super pleasant, and you feel like you've accomplished something after. One more thing important, the communities clear off sidewalks when it snows and they don't do a very good job. Do you try to encourage them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the real kind of problems with snow clearance is it's kind of a mix of responsibilities. You know, in some communities, it's property owners. In some communities, it's the city or town will do it. Uh, and then you come up to an intersection. Who owns the intersection? No one's clearing the curb cuts. Uh, it really, you know, makes it almost impossible for people to get around if they use a mobility device, if they're pushing a stroller with kids. Uh, it, it's real, really problematic. A little more money needs to be allocated to the sidewalk. Well, I think it's it's also making sure that people that are plowing know the impact that they have when they pile a giant pile of snow on a curb ramp yeah. as opposed to pushing it a little bit beyond because the property owner might have done all the right things cleared out the curb ramp the first time, but then all of a sudden a plow comes and deposits the entire street's worth of snow right on the corner to clear it off from all the parking spaces. But if you leave it on the corner and then it freezes, like a property owner has no no way of cutting through that. Brendan Carney, boy, I really uh, appreciated you coming in uh, this late. And anytime you have something going on and you want to talk about, please feel at home. Great. Come Thank on by. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. That was another Jay Talking Podcast. If you loved what you heard, like and review the show. It helps others find us. Subscribe to Jay Talking wherever you listen to podcasts and never miss an episode. Follow me on Twitter for show updates. And as always, you can catch the show live every weeknight starting Sunday, midnight to five on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.